Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone. So you may have already been listening to Cast Media's new show, Vigilante. And if you haven't, definitely go give it a listen. All of the episodes of season one are out now. Today, I'm going to play you part of a conversation I had with Vigilante host and lead producer Ali Conti. I talked with Ali about making season one of the show, what fascinated her about the story, about her time in Texas, and the complications that come with reporting on someone's real-life tragedy. We had a long conversation, but I'm only putting part of it up here on the Opportunist feed because... I don't want to share any spoilers with you in case you haven't listened to season one of Vigilante yet, but you can find the entire conversation that Allie and I had over on the Vigilante feed. So going into this, I'm going to preface this conversation with a brief synopsis of season one and what you need to know without the spoilers. I just want to say that we are talking about unsolved murders, so we don't go into, you know, graphic details at all, but just to let you know that that is the topic. Brief synopsis of season one of Vigilante. It is about the infamous Texas Killing Fields case. The Texas Killing Fields is a rural field in League City, Texas, and there were a series of bodies found in this field in the 80s, and they were ruled as murders, and no one has ever been convicted for these murders. They are unsolved to this day. And Ali Conti goes to Texas to meet Tim Miller. Tim's daughter was one of the people murdered in the killing fields. And Tim has since dedicated his life to finding missing people. He founded Texas EquiSearch, a search and rescue organization. But he has also been trying to solve his own daughter's murder for decades. And What's totally wild and unplanned is that around the time that Allie started making this podcast, Tim Miller believed that he had solved his daughter's murder. He pointed to a guy named Clyde who was currently serving time for a different murder. And the fact that Tim believes that it's Clyde is not a spoiler because you find that out in episode one. But it's really interesting because as you go through the season, it's really not a clear-cut story. And as the season progresses, it becomes increasingly unclear who is telling the truth and what's going on. It is a truly wild, complicated, interesting, and unexpected show. It also explores how grief can manifest in so many different ways on the individual level and in a community that has experienced so much loss. So I hope you enjoy this edited down conversation I had with Allie. And you can listen to Vigilante season one now, wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's talk about Vigilante. That's the name of the podcast. Um, It's a great name. Where did the name come from and kind of what's the idea behind it? Sure. So this was originally pitched to me as a show called Hunter. 
Um, and I think, you know, pretty soon into my times uh, hanging out with Tim, I, I figured vigilante might be sort of a better way of describing uh, him in the show. You know, Tim is such like an archetypical vigilante. He, you know, doesn't trust law enforcement for a variety of, of well-established reasons and has kind of taken things into his own hands. And there are so many different kinds of, of people who, you know, have decided to sort of forge their own path and, you know, get involved in things for better or for worse. So I want to talk about season one of Vigilante. You look into the Killing Field murders, specifically the unsolved murders of four women whose bodies were discovered in a remote field in Texas. And one of them, one of those women, was the daughter of Tim Miller, who is now a famous search and rescuer, and he's been trying to solve his daughter's murder for decades. And so when you first heard about this story and about Tim Miller, what was kind of the thing that fascinated you about it? I mean, obviously, it's a really interesting story, but, um, you know, was there something that you kind of initially were really curious about or got obsessed with? And, and then what was your approach when you, before you went to Texas, when you were thinking about making this podcast? There are a couple things. Uh, the show was initially sort of pitched to me as, you know, go and follow Tim, you know, sort of a, almost a procedural, you know, do a couple of searches with him, get a sense of what he does for work. And the story changed almost immediately. Like literally our first conversation, Tim goes, hey, I think I've solved my daughter's murder. And, you know, it kind of quickly became a very different show. You know, our our second conversation was, not only have I solved my daughter's murder, uh, the person who I think did it is about to be released from prison. And so it kind of had this, you know, before it was, you know, sort of an evergreen story. Tim has done lots of press before, but this took on an extreme sense of urgency and uh, became an entirely different show before I even arrived in Texas. Yeah, that's so wild, especially because... A lot of times, and you probably have a lot of experience with this, with your history of uh, reporting on crime, but um, especially, too, with the rise of true crime podcasts and how popular they've become. So many times when there's a podcast about an unsolved murder, at the end of the podcast, it's still unsolved because it's actually really difficult to solve a murder, turns out. And um, so then in your first conversation, Tim is telling you that, he thinks he's solved it, which is uh, wild in so many ways, like from a storytelling perspective, very cool and exciting from a human person uh, perspective, cool as well to think that there might be some resolution, but also maybe a little complicated as far as going into Texas and hearing that there might be this uh, murder that is soon to be released. Um so you have all this information, and, and I don't know if you thought, like, I'm curious to hear if you thought it was going to be pretty straightforward when you arrived in Texas and kind of, or maybe you didn't, but what happened when you arrived and how did how did the story unfold for you from there? Sure. I mean, yeah, from a storytelling perspective, this is a one in a million, you know, once in a lifetime type thing. Um, and for Tim, you know, he was seemingly very excited about the possibility of having someone be there on the ground with him as he's trying to draw attention to the fact that this person he believed to be a serial killer was eminently about to be released, right? So it, um, you know, it just was almost spooky in the sense that it was very lucky for for both of us. 
but I didn't really know what to expect, right? Um, this has been going on for 38 years, and, and Tim has, you know, been talking about how he feels as if he, he knows who did it for for a while. Um, this was like a different sort of version of that where he felt like he was now certain, but before he kind of suspected it was Clyde. So I wasn't really sure, you know, how seriously to sort of take any of it, but I went in with sort of an open mind, and um, Tim did a great job of sort of orchestrating this uh, tour for me and, and knew exactly what to do, take me to the killing fields, take me to where Ellen Beeson was murdered, and he had the, you know, we did this in episode three, had all the victims' family members sort of meeting for the first time, and it was probably at that point that I realized, oh, this is absolutely serious. I mean, that really sort of drove home the point to me that, yeah, it does seem that even though he's accused people in the past and has been wrong, that, you know, Clyde really does seem like somebody who might be capable of of being the serial killer. Obviously, it's a really complex situation, and, and Tim is a complex person. Um, you know, one of the things I think that's interesting is this portrayal of grief. You know, how did you see that playing out in Tim? And did you think about that when you were making the podcast? Sure. I mean, that's one of the things that I found really interesting about Tim from the get-go. You know, the fact that Tim is unique in the way that he deals with this grief. And I do mention in the story that apart from the Killing Fields murders, there was this whole slew of young women who were murdered along this corridor of Interstate 45 between the 1970s and the early 2000s. And, you know, of course, Tim is the only one to go on to form a search and rescue team as a response to having his daughter murdered. And I wanted to know, you know, one, why, you know, what drives somebody to do that? And two, what the sort of effect is on your psyche when you're constantly, you know, miring yourself in the details of the worst day of your life and helping people who are going through fresh grief sort of, you know, navigate that as well. And so it, it, in some ways, yeah, it's a, it's a profile of a guy who's going through this really, really complex uh, process of grief and is willing to sort of revisit that constantly in order to help other people. As a listener, I start to really question how well this case has been investigated by law enforcement. And, you know, we've been hearing from Tim prior to this that, you know, he has some very colorful language for local law enforcement. He clearly is not a fan, and they're also clearly not a fan of him, right? So we know that there's this sort of um, dislike, mutual dislike, but we as a listener aren't totally sure how legitimate that is. And then when we get start to get to the midpoint of the season, we start to hear some very disturbing things like some of this evidence that seems to me very critical to solving this case just is, has gone missing and um, misplaced. We don't know if that's intentional or not. And so it does start to seem like there are some issues with local law enforcement not doing a good enough job. Would you say that's fair to say? And like, what what did you start to learn about that? Yeah, there are absolutely some very serious accusations of uh, malfeasance on the part of the League City Police Department, and uh, it starts to beggar belief at a certain point that they, you know, have lost certain key pieces 
of evidence. And it's hard to really know what is going on there because they've refused to speak with me, citing, you know, this is an open investigation. But also it's hard to tell if they don't want to speak to me because they know I'm doing the show with Tim, who they have an obvious uh, dislike and distrust of. Um, So it's really sort of hard to get to the bottom of what's going on there. I did think that it was really helpful to talk to Catherine Casey, who again was an author who's done a book about the killing fields and some other murders that happened around that same area. And, you know, she kind of pointed out that a lot of police departments in the 70s, 80s, 90s in uh, the area south of Houston were not the most sophisticated, right? They didn't really know how to deal with something as serious as a potential serial killer. So it's hard to know, you know, whether or not it's just... uh, a lack of sophistication on the part of the police department or if there, you know, something more sinister going on. And it, again, it's just really hard to tell when you only hear from Tim and not, you know, the other side of that from the police. But it does seem, based on what he said, that something seriously, seriously went wrong with that investigation. Okay, so that's it for this teaser. I really don't want to play you any more of it because there are spoilers in the rest of the conversation. But if this conversation is interesting to you and you want to hear more, I would recommend go listen to season one of Vigilante from Cast Media. And you can also hear the rest of my conversation with Allie. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. 